0: Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show.
1: Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes, debutantes, nurses, Stenographers and librarians. Gotham City Library, Ms. Gordon Speaker. Lopez Hair Removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman holy apparition no boy wonder i'm batgirl you are no longer alone Cape crusaders
0: it took me three years to track down the jade gatto, and three more to figure out how to steal it funny it only took me 10 minutes to figure out
2: how to snatch it back
3: no matter how you do it crime doesn't pay girls
0: The Oracle, of the Barbara Gordon podcast, episode 205 for April <laughs> for April MMXXi. Backworld the Oracle is brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over one hundred thousand trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express offering a discounted price for comics ready right to hit the shelves. So if you're looking for vintage-back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out milehighcomics.com. Well, there was a lot going on in my mind leading up to this. I had a chat, sort of a pre-interview with a potential school in Minnesota, and then I thought I was going to record right after that, but... It's kind of hard to turn off once you're on in in an interview feeling or capacity. So I decided to take a break. I was also rather hungry. So I ended up eating and then I watched, well, while I was eating, I watched an episode of Them from Amazon Prime. And maybe that wasn't the best because it's not like it was easygoing. I thought I was actually going to watch Mayans, but that Comes out tonight, so that's why I couldn't. Not great to necessarily calm me down, but it did make me think about something in particular. Something that I've been thinking about a lot. Obviously, I've I've talked about it in before, and that's rape and sexual assault in media and just with them. And this is the, just the first episode. I don't know how it continues. I'm sure it gets worse and worse. There's almost this threat of the tension of the suspense of uh, racism and racial tensions or anxiety without necessarily seeing, and I'm sure we're about to see it, but just seeing someone standing over there looking at you and then slowly gathering that was enough to cause anxiety. And I thought that's exactly what I was talking about, where you can go to that edge and not go there. But all that to say, I suppose that I think I have decided that there will be an upcoming episode I'm not putting a date on it yet because I have no idea and there needs to be much preparation in order for it to be worthwhile. But it seems like people are interested in, at least people that I've spoken with, a, a, a side episode of Backworld Oracle where I discuss the use of rape and sexual assault in media and what's appropriate, what's not, and, and should it be in there or should it not be? And I think right now, as far as I've gotten, is that it will be a panel of people. There will be a man, if not two, on the panel and women as well. And I actually had my beloved boss lady came to visit me one day at lunch at work, and I actually brought up the whole thing and and asked what her thoughts are. So I would love it be so amazing if i could get her on to my podcast uh, but what a podcast to have what a heavy discussion for her first i think probably her first episode or first podcast entry into podcast well i have to say that i am recording on april 21st and it is in fact the birthday of my former beloved Donovan Morgan Grant. So from my heart to yours, former beloved and dear friend, happy birthday. Felicam DM Natalan. That's the nicest thing I'll say to Donovan. He actually might pop on to the show. I'm going to give him a call after I do two Batgirl stories from 2001 or 2002, potentially. Yeah, I think I'm in 2002 with Cass. If he answers, he answers. If he doesn't, that's on him that he isn't there to defend cast now i want to throw him under the bus i want to hold him accountable i want to call him out as a fake fan of cassandra kane and this is why folks i was asking i was planning this episode as well as the next one and future ones and i, I wasn't really feeling having a co-host on this particular episode i think it was more like the time i i don't know it feels like i had so So many subsequent episodes with other people that I just needed a break to be away from people. And I knew that the next episode I'm going to be with Donovan. We're going to do Bruce Jerk, Murderer, Fugitive. So I kind of want to carve out this space. And I knew specifically there was a storyline between Cass and Shiva that he wanted to be on and want to double check with those. And he said, it starts in 23, but to get ends in 25 or whatever. And I said, okay, okay, well, can I do 22 and 23 by myself? Will you be okay with that? And he said, you know, it's your show. And he also said that basically after 25, I guess, after this culmination of, of Shiva and Cass, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about it. Uh, he doesn't need to be on it. It's, it's, you know, his creator, his creative team continues on, but he he doesn't care. So I can do whatever I want with Cass. I can say whatever I want about her. He's not going to be writing in. He's not going to be on my back. And I thought, who are you? Aren't you a Cassandra Kane fan? And you're done with her after 25 issues. Who are you? How dare you, sir? And I thought this is reprehensible. And I told him I was going to call him out on this particular episode. So happy birthday. But also you think how dare you? You have much to answer for, and perhaps you'll answer for it when I give you a call, if you decide to answer the phone or not. So that's all I have to say about that. And perhaps we will hear from him and not, hey, there's a lot going on in this particular episode. I feel like my thoughts are all jumbled. There is so much to talk about. There's so much oracle to talk okay. about and more so in modern. I think it's the most modern oracle that I've ever spoken about. So just strap in. I think at one point someone said it's going to be an eight-hour podcast. And I thought to myself, you know what? With some of the feelings that I have going around, some of the thoughts I have in my head, it might be because I might yell. And then similar to that voice actor that I don't know if it was Goku or something, Donovan has told me a story about a voice actor in for some character, Dragon Ball Z that screamed and screamed so loud and so powerfully that that person passed out. And I thought, well, maybe I'll black out. The The film will keep on rolling and then I'll, I'll wake up and then I'll get back into it. And that's how it becomes an eight hour podcast. Here's hoping not. I think partially, I mean, once we get to it, I I might say it again, but I think my thoughts are more well-formed than they were initially. I was actually on a recent episode of the Batman Universe comic podcast where we talk about Joker number two, because that's going to be not necessarily a main event. Well, maybe it is a main event where something huge gets dropped, a big revelation and continuity changing. And I went off a bit you know I could have gone on longer but I think now that that I sort of word vomited on that show I think now I can rein it back in and be more precise as well as maybe more methodical but we'll see I will say that I'm still finding my joy <laughs> that was a weird transition I'm finding my joy so I'll move on to that particular segment this is shag's mac and cheese of comfort and joy still renting from gamefly which i'm so i'm ever so appreciative of that particular company and recently i'm i'm now playing dirt 5 in preparation for resident evil 8 village which i'll i think i'll get back to but before that i rented detroit beyond human and is it beyond human you know what it's become human Detroit Become Human. Yeah, I think I mixed two video games that I want to talk about. So this came out when 2017. It's rather recent. And I knew overall the type of gameplay that it was similar to Heavy Rain or Beyond Two Souls, which is why I I mix those two. And I don't necessarily like I don't even need to say necessarily. I don't like passive gaming. I Heavy Rain, I think I enjoyed. And that was earlier on in kind of my gaming history that I was more tolerant of it or accepting of it. But then before Detroit, I actually rented Beyond Two Souls. I did not really like that at all. I think there were certain aspects that I did, but just like these button prompts, the story was a bit meh. And... I. The acting was okay. I mean, you've got Elliot Page and and Willem Dafoe, but it, the story and what they had to say <laughs> don't you know don't really align with the the great acting abilities that they have, and just Elliot being a at that point you know whiny girl for for several it, it it was just it was not my cup of tea, and then I think. After that, I was like trying to carve out space might have been before I played the walking simulators, they call some of them, which was what everyone goes to the rapture. It was interesting learning about the, the people as well as the town and, and what had happened. But it's just, man, I, I want something more, you know, to engage with and as escapism, I I do want more action. So then accidentally, I, I didn't intend for it to be at the top of my queue. I wanted little nightmares, which I think too. And I think it was, but I just haven't been able to get little nightmares too, for whatever reason, must have low availability. So then Detroit came. I thought, oh no, I'm going from one button press and conversation to another one. But believe me, I just felt completely different about it. I think while it's still more or less passive and button pressing and, and actions aren't as, you know, you're not moving your own Well, you're moving to a certain extent, but you know, fights are just some, you know, square triangle, something like that. The story was so engaging. I really loved the three characters. I was totally in, like even at the beginning I was, I was, completely in just figuring out who these people were, what the story is, what is life like for these androids. So I highly recommend it. And one of the androids who is really, he becomes a prominent leader in android rights or equal rights for for the androids. He becomes the leader in that he is a black android. So there were, it was multi-layered and there was even a section where my favorite android, Kara, and the girl that she's with, they are given shelter by a Black woman and her son. And, and that woman actually brings up, you know, the, the people that ha- would have helped potentially, you know, some of the, the few <laughs> white people that would have helped Black slaves escaping or running away or even more recent memories, you know, being more loving and compassionate towards uh, black people when they're, they they did not have as many civil rights. So I liked how it was this nice little cycle, but yeah, I highly recommend Detroit become human. And it what was really interesting is that every choice, every single choice you make, which I think is, is different than, I think it was more expansive than is definitely beyond and heavy rain, though. It's been a while since I play that every single choice that you make has, some sort of impact. There are so many threads. At the end of each chapter or level, you'll see the choices that you made, and then there are a bunch of question marks, and it's like this crazy graph almost or, or timeline, and it shows other potentialities that that you could have gone through. So I, I thought, oh man, this is so smart. And again, you know, for a passive game, I was just totally engaged. So that's really what uh, what gets to me is is a good story. So I'm waiting out Resident Evil 8, which I've got it game locked, as they say, so I should get it. Well, game lock means like I'm definitely going to get it, but I have to send back my game in a particular time so that my slot is freed up. But I also am really worried that I send it back and then they send me something else, and then the game lock thing doesn't happen. But I, you know, I have a complicated history with Resident Evil. I would actually like to do a podcast on Resident Evil, but I feel like I I need to uh, do a bit more, but play a bit more. Of the series. But I remember in high school. I was probably a sophomore or something. Watching someone on the GameCube play Resident Evil 4. Just like this is not for me. The zombies is so weird. And then giving Resident Evil. Two remake a shot. Just because I thought it was so beautiful. There's a female protagonist that has her own story. Which always excites me. And really liking it though. Being as nervous as I thought. Being spooked. And especially I think Mr. X. I, I don't like people following me. Incessantly, like you can't get away from them. They'll follow you wherever you go. I don't like that sort of thing. And so I do have Resident Evil 3 remake, but I have yet to work up the nerve because I I know that Nemesis is like a step above Mr. X where he can go into safe rooms, I think, and he just like can really get you. So that makes me nervous. But I had been seen, I had really no interest, definitely no interest in playing Resident Evil 7, just the first person perspective, as well as the setting being Texas Chainsaw Massacre-ish. And it looked gross. It just looks gross if you look at any of the beginning gameplay, really. And then 8... I was like, oh, okay, well, it's the same protagonist. It's first person I have no interest. But then they started showing more. And I know everyone's going gaga over Lady D. And they're like, yeah, I would be glad to be killed by her. I'm not necessarily like that, though. She she looks intriguing. And I'm interested to find out more about her. But just the going through, I think, the, the beginning of the gameplay and learning more about that world, I became interested. And I thought, well, I should play seven, give that a shot, just to see if I can take eight. And so I ended up getting seven. Been from Gamefly. And I will say that it is more harrowing being first person because when you're spooked, it's like you turn around and you have a space between you when you're third person. Like if I'm playing as Claire and I turn around and Mr. X is there, I've got a person between me and Mr. X. It's Mr. X, Claire, and then me, the player. But with Resident Evil seven and that now eight, when you turn around, it's you and then that person. And so that was that was frightening. And the story was okay. The protagonist, I just feel like Ethan is a dud. And I've seen elsewhere like people are super excited. I think Resident Evil eight creators are like, we're so happy to be back with Ethan. I'm like, he's he's a dud. I mean, I'm even watching the trailer for Resident Evil eight and his wife looks to be killed by chris redfield and there's no pleading leading up to like no chris don't do it don't when he's pointing the gun it's just like bang bang there's a beat at least a couple beats and there's like you killed my wife i'm like where's the delay where's the begging leading up to it he's just he's a complete dud and i don't know if it's character i don't know if it's the actor but he's the least interesting thing about about resident evil seven in particular and eight I think it'll be interesting. I think uh, I will. I look forward to seeing what the connection is, because there's always a virus around that connects somehow to Umbrella. And besides Chris Redfield, I don't think we really know. And there are werewolves and vampires in this one. So it seems like a, a change. So I'm looking forward to that. All that to say and i keep trying to get harold i'm trying to bully him into playing he's really interested he's got a crush on lady d he wants to be one of those people to run into her open arms by the way speaking of her i just saw like a i don't know five second footage of her on ign that she chases you like mr x i'm watching this unfold and she she's like nine feet tall and she has to bend down and go into a room and there you are and she's got these long oh my gosh so i'm gonna be really nervous the whole time, but I'm looking forward to it. And with Harold, yeah, I'm trying to, he wants to play it, but he's also nervous about, which I completely understand. But I thought, mm, do I need to have a podcast in order to to convince you to to come on and, or to to play it so we can talk about it. So, so anyways, I think that's it. So the, all those things are giving me joy, specifically the Detroit become human, just because I thought that that was a really, Deep and engaging game. And then I did get my haircut recently and I kind of went more conservative, but I was trying to be to have a haircut like Kara from Detroit because she was my favorite character, like I said, and uh, that her hairstyle is pretty cool. So, key dokie. Well, I think it's time. So, just to give you a roadmap of what this whole episode will be like, of course, on YouTube, it's split into two. I have several quickies on both really on both ends quickies in the vintage. And then I'm going to focus my time on Backgirl 22 and 23. Then I've got my break and then I'm going to have quickies in the modern or on the modern side and then focus. I think my time on Joker number two, though I do have some things to say about Batman urban legends too, specifically the costume. And I will, I think, give an apology to a certain extent uh, with uh, urban legends. And I'll explain why I'm apologizing as long as I remember. Okay, remember with quickies, we're moving on. We're moving on to the quickies. With quickies, I tell you creator teams and I give most likely from Comixology a little blurb from the solicitor of what it was, and then tell you what part Oracle played. I feel like, in my opinion, the quickies just don't warrant a full review. So that's what I'm doing here. Otherwise, I will be doing this podcast for forever until I die. So here we go. Batman Gotham Knights 22 bugged out. It was a Joker last laugh tie-in. So unfortunately for me, I did not catch that one. (sighs) Okay, December 2001 is the cover date. Writer Devin Grayson, penciler Roger Robinson, anchor John John Floyd, and colorist Gloria Vasquez, one of the few females that consistently pops up when I'm talking about these vintage issues. A Joker's last laugh tie-in with the Joker's crazed supervillains terrorizing the DCU Batman and spoiler are left to defend Gotham City from a truly twisted new threat as the Joker's brand of chemical warfare has transformed the creatures of the city. So Batjerk actually goes off to get some jokerized offenders reported near Burnley and asks who is closest. Oracle tells him that he has alienated nearly all the members of his team, which was rather, I don't know, ironic or it was humorous as like that's terrible kind of humor he ends up calling in the reserves as he says aka spoiler so that's another thing that she's kind of low on the list of priorities there but just the fact that wow oracle is the one like i'm so sorry there's no one available they really don't want to be with you right now so there you go (laughs) okay next is nightwing 63 red fright and blue Writer Chuck Dixon, penciler Trevor McCarthy, Inker Carl Kiesel, and colorist Gregory Wright. January 2002 is the cover date. After his encounter with the Joker, Dick just may hang up his tights forever. So who's going to patrol Bluedhaven in his absence? Robin and Blue Beetle, of course. But their first night on patrol may just turn out to be their last as they're faced with the maniacal madman. And I will say that this, I feel like, aligns well with The Birds of Prey, I guess, 37 and 38 were Uh, Blue Beetle and Robin were working together. So that's nice continuity, which makes sense. It's Chuck Dixon. So Nightwing is still in a bad way. He hasn't shaved and he only wears Batman boxers, apparently. Oracle calls him and tries to talk some sense into him. And you only you hear the the sound and you see the video, but it's clear that either he's muted or definitely his video is off. Um, but there's no engagement, so he's just hearing and seeing everything but not doing anything. She says, "Stop asking what ifs and even if, or even Batman has thought about killing the Joker." So consider that and and thinking about the what ifs, like opening the door for her personal history, you know, what if I hadn't opened the door is how the Joker wins by getting into your head. So she is speaking from experience, really, I think the empathy and compassion because she has been there, unlike other people. He hangs up the call, or at least ends it, and actually locks access, and she decides to send someone to whom Dick will listen, and that happens to be Wally West, so he does some tough love there. There are a range of emotions on the call, going from care to compassion to anger and annoyance on Barbara's side, which I thought was really interesting to see that span of feelings in that, (laughs) Just, which is human. It really made sense. I felt like it was realistic. To see like, absolutely, you know, you're reaching out to someone now they're not listening. Now you need to be forceful with them when they're not listening to you. And then later Dick looks at a picture of him and Barbara on the beach, which seems to be the same one that he looked at when he was with Clancy or in that. Oh, that was Donovan mentioned that I think in the in the shipper spotlight. And I will say that it's hard. I'm guessing that it's Dick and Babs on the beach. The art is really unappealing in this particular issue, and I think 64 as well. So it's anyone's guess. You know, looking at Dick, it's like, are, are you are you sure that's? I mean, I'm taking your word that it's Dick Grayson. So I d- didn't like the art. Nightwing 64 on a Christmas evening, February 2002 is the cover date, and oh dear. I the same creator team I did not give a synopsis but apparently I didn't even <laughs> think it was necessary because Dick just called oh yeah because Babs is just name drop she doesn't even appear Dick actually calls Tim for info that he would normally call Oracle for and explains that it's strained between him and Babs so you can just see the relationship thread which is what I've been tracing in Nightwing anyways. Then we've got Robin96, The Big Cats, writer Chuck Dixon, penciler Jeff Parker, inker Rich Burchett, and colorist Noelle Giddings. Oh, wow, another female. January 2002 is the cover date. The synopsis, it's mop-up time for the Heroes of Gotham after the Joker's creation anigans, Robin, Blue Beetle, there you go, and Black Canary Hunt for the bloodthirsty Tetzkatlipoca, who once faced Green Arrow Connor Hawk. Robin and Blue Beetle, this is from me, Robin and Blue Beetle are on the trail of a carnivore with a penchant for senseless bloodletting. He asks Oracle if she has any idea, or they ask Oracle if she has any ideas, and she said that she'll look through the jokerized villain, the Lamb. Later identifies the MO of a Mexican national named Chama or Chama, no, it's probably Chama, Sierra, a.k.a. Tezcatlipoca, self-appointed Aztec Jaguar god. Apparently, Connor Hawk actually brought him down, and Oracle warns them both to be careful. And Blue Beetle flirts with a victim in the story, uh, just for all of those Babs, Ted shippers. His name is Ted, right? Yes, Ted Corp. Uh, just for all of those shippers out there that it seems like he could have a potential relationship there. And then finally, final quickie in the vintage allotment, Robin 97, Starstruck, writer Chuck Dixon, penciler Pete Woods, inker Andrew Pepoy, and colorist Noel Giddings. February 2002 is the cover date. Teen mania infects Gotham as pop diva Normandy comes to town and with her bodyguard to the stars, Joe Hollywood. Can Joe and Robin save the teen sensation from a deadly stalker? Who knows? What I saw is that... Robin is not able to trace the email address that is stalking Normandy. And so Robin asks Oracle for help. Oracle is not only able to trace the stalker who is on his way to Gotham City, but she also discovers that someone used the laptop of Miss Shields to actively lure the stalker to Gotham. So there you go. Okay, that is it for the quickies. So now, as my light is waning, we're about to get into some Batgirl 22. I will do some screen sharing. I'm going to screen share a lot in this particular episode. And what I realize as I'm talking to you, I realize that I often fail at being a proper host because not all of you are watching this on the tube, the YouTube. So I need to do better be better about hosting and telling you what's happening so this is batgirl 22 and it has no title january 2002 is the cover date. writer kelly puckett penciler damian scott inca robert campanella colorist jason wright and digital chameleon from the batman or dc wikia batman and batgirl have just apprehended a criminal when oracle summons batman to the watchtower when Oracle realizes that Batman has brought Batgirl with him, she hesitates first, but then starts to explain that none other than David Kane has sent a video straight out of a nuclear weapon storage facility on Hanford Island. The video shows Cain drinking alcohol and explicitly inviting Batman. Batgirl immediately wants to go there, but Batman holds her back. He will accept the invitation, although he knows it is probably a trap. Batgirl heads out on patrol again. As she is standing on a roof, Batgirl suddenly gets shot at by a sniper. Due to her reflexes, she is able to duck the bullet, but she is not able to catch the sniper. She returns to the watchtower, but does not tell Oracle what just happened. David Kane has switched on the live video feed at that point, And Batgirl quickly notices that a SEAL team is preparing to storm the facility and overwhelm Kane. But when the smoke clears, it is Kane who is still standing while his attackers are probably dead. Meanwhile, Batman has reached the facility on Hanford Island, but when he is about to enter the building, a huge explosion occurs. The video is revealed to be pre recorded when Kane, the gunman who shot Batgirl, confronts the man who placed a hit on her, warning him that it is a bad idea to hire a man to kill his own daughter. Okay, so I don't think that I will invoke Donovan's ire as much with this one in my questioning then I will (laughs) with 23. So just be aware of that. Now, I will say not only to troll Donovan, but as a legitimate question, do you think looking at this cover, Batgirl should be fired because she has in fact broken the neck of this young man over here because look at where his head is in position to the rest of his body. His neck is broken. He is a dead man should Batgirl be fired? I ask you this. So there you go. Okay. I, you know, do I have a lot to say on this? Uh Oh, I guess I do. Okay, good job, Zola. Okay, I will say that the beginning transitional scenes are a bit jarring. I can almost get behind the first two. I was actually so jarring, in fact, that I was confused because I thought that this was present and then the next part was past, and then it went to another scene. But then I realized at the end of the issue that, oh, wait, no, this particular part is past, and then it's present. But what threw me is the color because with this... It often happens that the coloring is almost a sepia tone when it's flashback. And so I felt like going from this bluish tone because it's night to this, which does look sepia in the copy that I have. I thought, oh, it's past, But I was wrong. So let's just say about that. But the first two, I think, makes sense. The hand here that she is Breaking, even though he doesn't even yell anything, is the connection right? He had a year and a half of physical therapy. There you go. I guess the the scar from the sutures, so that makes sense. But then afterwards, like quickly transitioning to this particular scene with Batman in the alley and Batgirl's there, and but it kind of seems like she's hanging out to see if anything's about to happen. It's just. I don't know. It's it's a jarring transition. That's all I have to say. I thought this scene was interesting, especially since I came from Orpheus Rising, just that we have Batman and this young black man in the alleyway. The young black man is, is holding a gun and, and Batman saying it's not too late to make the right choice and just waits, waits for him to, to do whatever he decides to do. So uh, I thought that that was interesting. And, okay, of course, we have Oracle here. So, I guess one of my questions would be, is Batman a jerk? And I put jerk in all capital letters for letting Batgirl see Kane on the video scene. You obviously see that Oracle is hesitant about this, which was interesting just because, well, I guess... Not necessarily because Batman is their backerolls to follow, but they were out, and I feel like she does keep track of where Batgirl is. So of course, maybe you know she's she's with Batman, but even this bottom middle scene, I think on page five, where you've got and, and this pops up a lot this the silhouetting or the shadowing, you have. Oracle in the background and Cassandra, they're like thinking about it, you know, she's hesitate, Oracle's hesitating and does not want to play the videotape. And then she ends up doing it and and she does not seem happy that she is going to just with that, that bottom right panel. And she knows she knows, I think, the effect that seeing Kane on video and whatever he's doing is, is going to get to Cassandra. So is Batman a jerk for letting Batgirl see Kane on the video scene? What is the motivation for allowing that to happen? Potentially no secrets. Or does he think that something else is going to come of it? And what will he, her reactions be to seeing David? He doesn't want her to interact with him or go on that mission. So what would be the point? I feel like the better thing, and and I'm going to call into question his fatherhood, not only in 22, but in 23, I feel like you should have shielded your child from this potentially, like this potential pain, especially when you're not going to allow her to engage with it. There is an interesting emphasis. I have to find this on my There it is. So I'm on seven and the bottom of it. And again, looking at these silhouettes, and and I actually make a comment on this body posture, body language. Batman just standing there pointing. Batgirl pulling on the mask, obviously going to work. There's a symbolism there. But also her posture is interesting, kind of like me. I mean, if there were no word balloons, it's like go to your room. Ma'am, that's what it seems like. And then Oracle back there as well, really not having any, outside of that scene, not having anything to do with that interaction. And what's really interesting is the way her glasses are almost downturned as if uh, she's a bit sad about this whole interaction. But this is interesting. You know, I'm going to go do this. Batman is saying that. Gotham's yours tonight. Do what I trained you to do. And so... I thought that it is interesting to have this emphasis on what I trained you to do. I think there are two reads. My initial read actually was, just because I lean that way towards Batjerk and I'm looking at this particular panel, listen to me, not to Oracle. Daddy's talking. Don't worry about mom. Do what I've trained you to do. But I think on a second read through and probably more prominent, though, I think there is that layer probably referring to Kane, right? Kane trained her. Batman is aware that Kane trained her. So do what I, Batman, your new father has trained you to do rather than your previous trainer and father. I just think it takes on a different connotation, especially since Oracle is right there. If Oracle weren't there, I think I would go straight to the Kane interpretation. There is a cool splash page coming up. I think it's this one, in fact. Can I show the whole thing? Oh no, can I really not? Hmm. I like it. Uh, Sorry. I mean, art wise, I don't think I talk a lot about the art just because it's, it's, I should brag about it all the time just because it is, it's the same artist. So I do apologize about that. But yeah, just a cool splash page where we see Cass swinging through, stepping on wherever she's stepping on a rooftop. And then you also have layered underneath The flashback and and the significance. So the the gunshot or the the shot that Kane takes towards current Cassandra Kane flashes back to the past and, and what that was like and, you know, two for flinching situation. So cool right there. So just about that splash, I'm assuming Kane knew Batgirl could dodge that bullet, and that's why he did it. And he is actually later smiling at the bottom of that. He's turned away and smiling. He's like, "Yeah, that's my girl. You can, you still got it." The live video, I I put need and emotion to. I guess the need and it's emotional to watch that live video. One of my major questions actually is just what is the motive. So I'll get back to that. But it's really interesting to see. Barbara's reaction to this video and Cassandra's reaction, and that Cassandra's watching this happen. And especially, golly, yeah, look at this. What page 15? You've got Cassandra with this, like, oh, it's hard to hear the Buddha, Buddha, blam, 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 all the gunshots. And then Oracle is there. So the fact that this is live and she's watching her potential father, or she knows she's, eh. and her trainer, former mentor, gets slaughtered on live camera is really interesting. And why? Why would you do that? And he looks straight towards the camera right before or at one point he does, I know. So it's like I'm I'm putting on this show for you. Oh, I think he does that later before the explosion, but I'm putting on this show for you. And why why would you do that to somebody? I guess we know he's going to make it through, so that's Another question entirely, but just like, oh, man, you just put her through the emotional ringer. But what is the intention or the motivation behind that? The juxtaposition of the past and present with Kane and Backrow, I think, is really strong in this issue. It's a bit jumbled. I, I don't think it's the strongest issue that I've read between Cass and David. But I think Puckett builds it up because he does show the history as does some say the history and also gives us a frame for reference. Like why, why would he smile after shooting her and she is able to dodge it? Oh, because this is something that he did for funsies when she was a child. So there's that connection I feel. And so that's something doing that I think is, engaging and interesting yeah here's this section right we're saying dreadful sorry looking up almost speaking to her like he is aware that she would be watching them dying question mark with that whole thing and then her running off so just really interesting having these video moments and speaking to her i think directly and then having her watch all that which almost seems kind of sick there Oh, yeah. Oh, this was another flashback here. I'm on page 20 if you're following along. But then this was actually a really beautiful moment. So again, adding, I think, depth and dimension between the two characters and a relationship that one could consider toxic and abusive. But here you have a really beautiful moment where they're sitting on the roof. She is cradled in his arms and they're looking at constellations. And then, you know, her thinking back to that after he might be dead. So I think it adds some depth to that relationship. But yeah, here this ending is actually misleading just because she's outside and on top this guy looks the same it looks like he's about to kill her and actually no he's he's nowhere else but i'm actually <laughs> it's it's well the the panel layout is interesting and then just with the guy that his bodyguard the guy who hired kane's bodyguard gets killed but is there a gunshot that goes through there or how does he get taken down so that's also really misleading there's not a great transition between there's the blam but the blam doesn't carry over into this page where that man falls down he's like whoa what happened well there's a gunshot sir so because there's no gunshot i think that that made it confusing yeah so i think my main question first of all, I think Batgirl and Batman can't be that naive that they believe him to be dead. So I will put that out there. That's not a question, but I'm just confused. And this is a question I'm going to ask Don if he ends up answering my call. What what? are slash were kane's motivations why the need to be somewhere else or pretend to be why be caught on camera and speak to his daughter all just to be killed maybe why though why i mean it's great to be thought of as dead and then do what you want or be out of the picture but it doesn't seem like he wants to be out of cassandra's picture and it's not like batman has really threatened him that much kane has such Power, I think, over Batman through Cassandra and also through over Cassandra as well. So, I don't really know why he would give up that advantage. So, the motivation is just really, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know what his motivations are. So, I think I'm going to give this, let's say 6.5, 6.5 out of 10 broken hands. Okay. So, this is it. This is where I make. Donovan, my former beloved, upset because we're going to talk about 23. And I have so many questions. I've got questions. Not many answers. Okay. 23. We're sharing. We're good to go. Okay. Back row 23. Little talk. So it actually has a subtitle. February 2002 is the cover date. Writer Kelly Puckett, Pence for Damian Scott, Inker Robert Campanella, colorist Jason Wright, and Digital Chameleon from the DC Wikia. After stopping a bank robbery and having to defuse her first bomb, Batgirl returns to the clock tower. Oracle tells her how she herself defused her first bomb as Batgirl by sheer luck. While Batgirl enters the hollow room to once again observe Lady Shiva's fighting style, oracle calls batman oracle and batman argue over batgirl's upcoming duel with lady shiva which she has yet to tell barbara about even though it will take place in two months and her guilt and death wish they talk about all those things batman refuses to believe that batgirl killed a man while she was trained by david kane because the killer could not understand him and his mission as well as batgirl does oracle thinks batgirl might be like batman and still a killer Backroll finishes the training in the hollow room, and afterwards assures Oracle. Duh, I disagree with this. Assure, oh well, sure. She says yes, but I don't think assures. Uh, I'll, I'll get to that. Assures Oracle that she would tell her if something was bothering her. Okay, so just to begin with the cover, I think the cover is interesting. However, <laughs> I, I suppose I was an idiot, but I was like, "What does that smoke spell is is a beast? Is it?" Battle. Don't worry. I got it. It's girl But boy, was I looking at that for a while. But it is interesting. Okay. So, what an interesting intro. I can't really make out from the scenery what this guy did for a job, but it really all goes together because of the bomb and the discussion with the bomb, the first bomb, and Barbara talking to her about the bomb, and then. Fishing for things, which we'll talk about, certainly. So, the bomb. Yes, I did like this. I, I've never da that da, 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 Barbara's saying, that's okay. Uh, take a breath to exactly as I say, and we'll be laughing about this over breakfast. And then they do. They've got some donuts. Yes, some donuts. Okay, so I enjoyed the breakfast after the bomb dismantling. Thank you. Especially as Barbara relates to Cassandra that, hey, I went through the same thing when I was your age, actually older. (laughs) But then it quickly disintegrates. So this, I've got a major problem with this. Listen up, Donovan. Okay, she she guessed. I can go with that. I can go. She guessed how to dismantle the bomb. She had a 50-50 chance. Cassandra's listening to this, maybe dubiously, but listening nonetheless. Then Barbara's saying, you didn't know me back then. I wasn't professional like you. I had some issues. For me, Batgirl was kind of a danger thing. You know, a rush. Who the heck is this Barbara Gordon? What? 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 Maybe I can go with the professional. Maybe. She did it on a lark, right? In the beginning. It wasn't, it wasn't a danger thing. It wasn't a rush. A, eh, it wasn't a rush. She didn't continue it for a rush. Part of growing us up, I guess. I guess a lot of teenagers are like that. Is she also calling her a teenager? Are we having some issues with continuity? Mr. Pocket. So... Base my notes here have a bunch of question marks, which when I do repeated punctuation, that means that I'm getting pretty upset that she had issues, a rush. How dare you? That's what I have to say about there. Teenagers, what's happening? This it's garbage. It's garbage. Okay, now let us take a step back from the initial it's garbage judgment. Perhaps, perhaps. Barbara is baiting Cassandra into talking. Maybe she knows that this fight is going to happen. Cass doesn't know that Barbara knows. So she's trying to put it out there to maybe see if Cass will say things like, hey, I've got a death duel coming up. Hey, I killed this man. I feel like I deserve to die. There's no grace for me. Maybe, maybe. But how would anything that she said... Teenager issue, maybe the rush, the danger thing issue. Well, maybe the issues. Maybe how how do they relate to Cass? I don't think Barbara would see her as agreeing to this death match with Shiva because it gave her a rush. And I just feel like you know, there's coffee meets bagel, the dating website. I would call this disconnect over donuts because boy, am I having trouble. So. Be asking Donovan about that. Should he answer my telephone? It's happening. People are texting me. This is why I have my phone on airplane, but I need it on because so I can get to Donovan quickly. Shoot. I forgot to do something. I wanted to look up. Let me do it right now. I'm going to do it. Hold up, peoples. Okay, we're back. I wanted to look up. Let me get back to screen sharing here. Symptoms of guilt. To see if they correlated at all with Cassandra, and this is on WebNBD, which would not be the go-to, but I thought, well, I'm I'm in a time crunch here. It's interesting. While your associations with guilt may be negative, it does have a positive function. It's meant to help you make a morally upright decision, which, which I do think aligns with Cass, and that this guilt has really pushed her to, well, for lack of a better phrase be like Batman, but it says excessive guilt can lead to anxious obsessions, depressive tendencies, and physical symptoms if it's not addressed. While most guilt is internal, it is often conditioned by external factors, which means with the right habits, it can be unlearned guilt is intertwined with other disorders and separating them can be challenging. Guilt's relationship with OCD, anxiety, and depression often brings a host of symptoms. Some of the physical symptoms of guilt are problems with your sleep, your stomach and digestion and muscle tension. Some symptoms of guilt also are being sensitive to the effects of every action, overwhelmed by possibly making the wrong decision, low self-esteem, putting your others before yourself until it's detrimental and avoiding your full range of emotions. So golly, I mean, it's not apples to apples or a one-to-one comparison with Cassandra, but I feel like there are, there's certainly overlap between what I just read and what Cassandra is going through. Okay, so then we get to the crux of this particular issue, and it's this conversation. I mean, the, the issue is called, the story is called, little talk. Oh yeah, yeah, she goes off. It's me. It's time for a little talk, and then, uh, well, he stops. So talk. Okay, okay. Barbara wants to call the fight off. It's just thinking. They're not behind this, are they? I thought. She was working alone. I think we should call it off. Huh. 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 I didn't think they would have anything to do with it. I think they're just waiting. Me- wow. Are they behind the whole thing? I would never got that read on it until just now. Okay. Another question that I have. I think we should call it off. Okay. I thought we had an understanding is what Batman says. And she says, I know, but we agree. Sh- we Okay. I'll do high versus low. And you can tell who it is. I know, but... We agree she has a death wish. Yes. We agree she has to move past it. Yes. We agree facing Shiva fulfills that wish. Yes. Well, I I don't. And then dot, dot, dot. Maybe that's it. What if this isn't her blaze of glory? What if she just thinks she can win? She knows Shiva will win. Come on. If you were 17 years old and could beat up ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the world, how conscious would you be of that other 0.001? She knows. And ay, ay, ay. she can't help but know. Back row reads body language. Da, 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 da. Okay. This agreement between Bruce, let's yeah, let's go with real names, shall we? Between Bruce and Babs is difficult for my mind, my heart to fathom. It's difficult to stomach. Cass has a death wish. We need to allow her to fulfill it so she can move on. What Uh, are they so sure that Shiva won't pull the trigger, as it were, unless they've hired Shiva? Now I'm I'm. Everything's in question. I'm so confused. It's like, yeah, she's got a death wish. We need to allow her to free solo. uh, What is it? Uh, Mount Capitan. And, uh, you know, if she makes it great, she'll be over it. If not, she dies. Like, it seems high stakes for you to allow a child, a teenager. Yes, but a child to do this, whatever you're doing. I'm so astounded with it.
2: Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm.
0: at one point batman says well i do want to, the, a big question actually i have is, is who better understands cassandra but i think maybe yeah i do have it later on he does say at one point and I, i'm trying to think about this suicide by shiva this is terrible shiva is the best bat girl wouldn't be the first to consider it an honor Oh, my gosh. So if she dies, it'll be an honor. It's so strange. And and Barbara, I think the body language here and her side is certainly justified. I'm just so confused, especially on Bruce's side. Mm -mm -mm. Guilt. So we do bring that up. The assassin business. A parent's legacy can be a hard thing, which I think is a really powerful quote, actually, that Batman says. I think that there's meaning for all three characters within this story. A parent's legacy is hard. Think about Bruce and the fact that why he he's decided to do this. We've got Cass, obviously. I think Oracle. Barbara taking up the mantle for her father, depending on continuity, but for her father is, is the better one. And even if we think with Cass, again, uh, Batman and and being that, that parent figure, I think that's a really powerful quote there. But... <sighs> Then we get, of course, to, I don't buy it. Kane was a monster who taught her monstrous things, but I think there's more to her guilt than that. So there's something else going on. Not that she's guilty because she was raised by an assassin to be an assassin, but that she actually did something. And he's saying, we've been over this. There's no way. There's no way she killed that man. Oracle believes that she can be. He said, you know, she understands my mission and and the value of a human being and Batman he is so willfully naive and I wonder why where is this coming from I think it makes perfect sense why she would buy in to his mission and his value system because she made this terrible mistake in that moment of taking someone's life away she realized the preciousness of a human life and she decided to change from that and so not everyone's going to have that experience I, I think it's almost I don't know oppressive to have for Batman to place his belief systems or his history on, or the reasons why he's doing something on other people, because everyone has their particular life story and, and Cassandra's is not his. And so I, it's really strange and I guess he doesn't want this to be true, but think of all the other people who buy in as well, but also commitment, you know, Huntress buys into his, Desire to clean up Goth or even, well, we could go with dick, right? Because of Joker. I mean, he buys in absolutely. And then he killed Joker. So I I don't understand what this, this particular disconnect is and why it's so emotional when you get to Cass. A big question here, something I'll ask Don if he picks up, is who knows Cass better? Who has her best interests? And I think it's hard. I don't know that I necessarily have a concrete answer. I think it depends Depends on the story. depends on the situation. I feel like in this situation, Barbara knows Cass better. I think that she, whatever this whole situation is, I think that she is right to be so reticent about going through with it. I think second guessing it. I don't know why she entered into it to begin with. But I think she realizes that this is really dangerous. And then Batman is just like, man, she needs to snap out of it. And this is the way we're going to do it. You know, it's like with a drug addict, maybe the way to get someone clean is to have them overdose. Let's pump them full of Oxy. And then they'll, I don't know, go into a coma. And then, hey, maybe they'll snap when they snap out of it. They'll be like, oh, man, that was the worst. I'm off drugs. I mean, this sounds terrible. I took that extreme example because that's what I feel like. Like, let's get her to the edge of death. Maybe she will die. But at least if she survives the experience, she won't have a death wish anymore. And she won't be guilty. That's not how guilt works. So this is just ridiculous. So I would say in this story, I think Barbara knows Cass better. And I think she has her best interests more so in mind than Batman. I think it's interesting. They both know about the Shiva fight, which now I'm wondering. Oh, wow. <laughs> Did they hire Shiva? What's happening? Uh, though Cass has told neither of them, and and I'm saying this is Stella from last week, I suppose, or the weekend. I guess they use clues from her behavior, but I don't know about that. So I do have a rating, but I'm going to wait. So let's see if my former beloved. It is seven p.m. his time because he's an hour behind me. By the way, I completely forgot to t- let you guys know that a uh, shag mac and a uh, shag mac and cheese of comfort and joy i visited my former beloved in nashville and had a grand old time oh my gosh i'll tell you about that when we come back okay here we go do you think he'll answer if he doesn't answer he said he's going to call me back and leave a voicemail or uh which i guess i could put at the end of the episode or in here for post-production or he will (laughs) i have to think of all the questions i have to ask him now or what else did he? Or oh, he'd write in, "Hello, I did quick call. Okay, let's see. He Might be with family. He might be with his current beloved. We don't know. Mm, it's not looking good. <gasps> <laughs> oh, oh, we've. Got, so you're on speaker. So technically, you're on the show. Do you have? Uh, I'll turn it up as well. Oh, this will be great. Now it's super loud. I think we're good. Can I ask you some questions? Do you have time? Yeah, I got, I got time. <laughs> Uh, yes, no. <laughs> I feel so bad for you. Okay, first of all, happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. I told everyone on the show that it's your birthday. So be extra mean to me. No well, I did call you out at the beginning, but you'll see. Okay, let's start with twenty-two, like a warm-up on the twenty-two <laughs> okay. issue. I'm
2: waiting for my trade as we speak.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm going to reread this. One of my questions was, is Batman a jerk, all capital letters, for letting Batgirl to uh, see Kane on the video scene when Oracle clearly wants Batgirl to not be there when she shows that video footage? Do you feel like that was inappropriate of Batman? No. What? <laughs> no,
2: okay. Cain, uh, I'll go, no. But is, does Oracle
4: protest? Like, does Oracle...
0: Yeah, she hems and haws.
4: I didn't know that background was going to be here. Uh, Cass says, hey, or- yeah, I can see the Oracle notice came, and she didn't anticipate Cassandra being there. But I don't know. I mean, like, how, how big of a deal? I mean, no. Uh, yeah, I'm doubling down, No.
0: Okay, well, Donovan, why don't you push you on this here? Because he he, he won't let her go on that mission. He's only he's the the one going on it. So why even tease her like that? Like let her see this and be like, look at this candy you can have. I'm sorry you can't have the candy. I'm taking the candy. You get the garbage of Gotham while I'm getting the candy. Well,
4: hold, hold on, but, but like does yeah. he know? Because I'm looking at this. Yeah. It's Oracle to Batman. I need you to see this now. And Batman was with Batgirl at the moment, so he's like, all right, send her. You know, let's roll, let's dip. And he'll <laughs> like, show up to the clock tower. Uh-huh. She doesn't say David Cain, but to get on her screen. So like, does he know? And like they're about to talk about David Kane. It's just a coincidence. So it's not his
2: fault. But like you know, it's not I mean,
0: his says, fault. No, but it's not like he's teasing her on purpose. Like oh, I'm a Okay, it doesn't even start. Let me just double check on this. Yeah, well, she well, but on her hol on her hologram, she's got David Kane pulled up. Oh, come on. Okay, okay, maybe. Okay, okay. I'll all this. Okay, next question. Is someone talking to you? No, no, the point goes to Donovan. Oh yeah, that's fine. That's fine. You you make you make a valid argument. Okay, the next point. Th- this is my last one on this one. I just I I was confused on Kane's motivations. Um, why he's doing these yeah, video yeah. things? Why he's pretending to be killed? And clearly, I think speaking to his daughter because he actually looks at the camera. Do you have any idea, like, what he's doing?
4: Real talk, like
0: being like for real. This yep. is a very
4: confusing issue. Okay. And I'm not really going to fight you on how you should feel about it because, like, every time I read this, it's hard for me to suss out Kane's
2: intentions yep. and what we're supposed to take away from
4: it. And you know, I like I like the characters, like the storytelling, but like I couldn't really tell you what's happening. Mm-hmm. So you feel how you feel about it because I don't really know how I feel about
0: it. Okay. I don't have any like straw. I, I think it's a math, like an average issue, but I was just confused. Like, why is he doing what he's doing would be my main question. I like that. That scene in the flashback where like, they're like watching the stars here. Oh, I do mention that. I do mention that. I think that that adds, I think dimension and, and like depth. Yeah. To their relationship. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh well, actually before I leave this issue, did you see the cover of this issue?
4: Oh, the cover, yeah, Batgirl's uh, beating yeah. a bunch of people
0: up. Yeah, should she be fired because she broke that young man's neck?
4: Well, no, because I don't even know that this takes place anywhere. Like it's not. There's no crack lettering, and it's a cover, so covers like our, our heart no, is cover. no,
0: no, no. Look at
4: You have an agenda <laughs> and a vendetta against this woman. So his like, neck is broken. Batgirl didn't lace up her boots. Should she be fired for not being prepared? For- <gasps>
2: So- <laughs>
0: whatever whatever it looks like she broke her own back with, with that spin kick I bet like, she- like, like, like her her right leg is completely backwards whatever okay we're moving on this is the main event oh, yeah. okay so first of all i want to talk about this conversation over donuts i
4: don't have any
0: donuts now i would say we're on issue 23 if you didn't understand where, where i am now, I thought this was great. Like she Barbara's relating to Cass on a particular level. And then I said it just quickly gets out of control. So the fact that Barbara says that she has issues, she was back before a rush. Um, what else did she say that she had no idea what she was doing? All that stuff. I started yelling, but then I wondered, is is Barbara baiting Cass into talking about this upcoming showdown with Sheba, and that's why she's saying this? Or do you think this is a mischaracterization of Barbara on the part of uh, of Mr. Puckett? I don't
4: think anything was a character in this book.
0: Excuse um, just, me. Uh, sorry? I said excuse me in a very angry tone. Oh,
4: oh, oh yeah. I'll, I'll repeat myself then. Um, <laughs> is she baiting Cassandra to talk about her feelings?
0: Yes. Or her future fight with Shiva, because whilst How can you how can you? Well, if you don't think she's baiting her, how how can you? I'm so sorry. I'm like flummoxed here. I'm emotional and flummoxed that you would think this. How can you believe that Barbara would say she wasn't professional? She had some issues. She it was a danger thing and a rush. And, you know, she's going through it because she was a teenager. How does that how is that a characterization of Barbara Gordon?
4: I see what you're saying. Uh-huh. I, see, I see what you're saying. Thank you. You, you think that she's describing herself like that as a cautionary example for Cass to hear that and say, maybe my course of action is the wrong one.
0: That's as far, that's like the positive spin I can have over it. Otherwise, I'm like, who is this Barbara Gordon and why is Kelly Puckett writing her like this?
4: Well, okay. In fairness, and feel free to like, whatever you do, bring Professor Koka back on <laughs> to say like, you know, like, well, we've read all the books and he's wrong. <laughs> like, I, I've read, I've read Bat, Batman comics with Batgirl, Batgirl comics. And I'm not saying like, this is, like, you know, recent, right? This, but this is, like, back in the day where Barbara did describe her, her time as Batgirl as being, like, kind of a thrill. Like, that's not the first time I've heard that. Okay. So, like, you, I, you may not like and disagree because it's wrong. And, and I'm not saying you're wrong for that, but I would not say that, like, it's so wrong that the editor should have gotten him on that because that's not new exactly in my in my historical reading.
0: Okay. Okay, I'm moving on. <laughs>
4: you should do this every
0: episode. Just ca- have you call in or call you, yeah, I well, guess. Well, 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 go like, you know, basically, like, okay, so now this segment's called Explain Yourself. <laughs> right. I should call yourself, yeah, Explain Yourself, man. Okay, so I am, like, the 10th page into this particular book. It, the talk has started.
2: What's that? What,
4: what, what, uh, what's the image on your, on your page?
0: So it is... The main part is Shiva in a hologram, and then there's a little square just with Barbara's right eyeball, and it says something doesn't feel right. I think we should call it off.
2: Right, okay, I'm there.
0: Okay, so I was under the assumption that Shiva was on her own, and she came up with this fight, but when I read it this time, like, moments ago, I was wondering, have Barbara and Bruce orchestrated this fight in order to knock Cassandra out of this, uh, the symptom of guilt and the the death wish that she has? Are they behind you, it? You, you think they've been in contact with Shiva? I don't. Well, I just wonder. I think we should call it off. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What does that mean? Oh
4: no, I think that that's just you know like like that girl in a room until like they find Shiva and like try to keep this from happening. I don't. I don't think that like you know, they, like, went to Shiva's manager and, you know, yeah. and signed contracts or anything. Okay. I, I think it's just, okay. like, oh, like, again, like, you know, Batgirl, they're underage. Now, granted, you know, there's a lot of leeway that they are clearly giving this underage crime fighter, absolutely, and that, that can be criticized, but, like, I don't think that, when they say call it off, because cause they're discussing that, that, they, that Batgirl has, I'm sorry, Cassandra has, like, tacit approval to do this, and they've not told her no right, like they've not had like Nightwing and Robin like you know sit on top of her for a weekend or like you know handcuff, handcuff her to the back. of her. Like, they're, they're not really stopping her, and they're doing that of their own like like basically they're they're allowing her to do this. And, and but they they're like Oracle's having second thoughts. So she's saying, call it off. As in, let's revoke our abdication of this death of this death duel and step in and stop her from ha- stop this from happening. Okay, but but no, I, I never I never took that as like they ever like, you know, actively like, you know, organize this with Shiva. <laughs> if that were the case, that'd be a whole different story. And it'd be very
2: funny, but I've never yeah. read it like that.
0: No, I didn't. I mean, when I initially read this last week, I certainly I, I'm in line with what you were thinking. But then just as I was going through and talking about this, I was like, whoa, that takes on a, another meaning. Let's call it off. Almost as if like we came up with this plan. Oh, let's back up. And yeah. So I just wondered what you thought. I know that you really like this issue. I said that it's hard for me to fathom and almost stomach this conversation that they're like bringing her to the brink of death almost to bring her back. And, and I guess I, I would like to hear your thoughts on just this conversation and wh- why you love this, this particular issue so much.
4: Well, I think that this is part of the, like when you read this volume of back, all this, it's Kane Run, it's one of those things that you can kind of like, expect to see because like like for instance in young justice remember young justice you would have like not only like you know the the, the team characters but you would have like Arrowhead's mom you would have red tornado and his and his foibles you would have like uh fighting and mad you would have like you know the government you know going after like, like young justice and how they reflected the other dc heroes you would have these certain like series elements that would characterize this book differently than just people in costumes going out fighting crime you know end of issue I like this dynamic of Batman is the father and Oracle is the mother, and partly because of like Cassandra Kane being a very different person than the previous members of that family, and partly because Bruce and Barbara are different people. I like this like dad scene at the table because it's, it's an issue one. I think it's a, it's a once or twice in, in, in later issues where they're just like like they're t- if this is about Cassandra, right? And I, I knew you're going to do this. I knew and were are going to get wrapped up in like.
2: What is Barbara saying to Bruce and a jerk? Like,
0: this is oh, not this the this Cassandra Kane podcast. This is the Barbara Gordon podcast. Of course I'm going to do that.
4: you are doing the Batgirl series where Cassandra Kane starts. <sighs> <laughs> I, like, I like how, you know, this, this series is about this character and the two oldest characters the readers would be familiar with are trying to figure the, the star of this book out. I think that's a very shrewd and clever way to tell a story. I think that, that it's the same. We've covered this before. Batgirl's looking out for Cassandra's, like, you know, mental well-being. And Batman feels that, that he can relate to her the most. So there's a disagreement, but the disagreement isn't, like, cliched, right? Yeah. It's not a case of, like, you know, oh, well, Dick's just Dick Grayson is just too foolhardy to know what's best or whatever. Or, like, Jason's, you know, too angry. Like it's, it's like, you, you can honestly side with Bruce or Barbara and not be wrong. I think. I, just, I find that fascinating and we, and I love the, the last page where Barbara is like, is there anything you want to tell me? Mm. And Cassandra just straight up lies. It's like, no, I'm good.
0: I, I know. I think that's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Or that, that she that, would, right? you tell me if you weren't okay, right? And she's like, sure. And I'm like, I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. Well,
4: what is, what is your... What, is, what, is,
0: what kills this
4: for you? What is your biggest
0: hang-up? I I guess I just find it really irresponsible. I can totally get. I mean, it's a Barbara Gordon show, so I can totally get like Barbara going, like, yeah, okay, Bruce, maybe this is good, and then also being the one to be like, mm, I'm second guessing this. I don't get it, but I just feel like it's so dangerous that there is a potential that Cass could get killed because you don't know that Shiva's gonna hold back or whatever, or not pull the trigger. And so I'm just you're putting her to the edge, and like, well, if she survives the experience, then she will have fulfilled her death wish or whatever, and, and she'll be okay. Like that just seems really parentally irresponsible. So that's why I, I I can't get past this of like, why are you doing this to her? Is this really the only way you think she will get knocked out of uh, the doldrums that she's currently in? So that's what I'm having trouble with. Uh, that's fair. That's fair.
4: I, I, I mean, it, it is kind of an ask of like oracle do this. now now if i recall correctly i think in the big issue oracle does try one last time to like you know no i'm putting them into this okay yeah i don't, want to say, I, don't I don't want to say too much but i think yeah. like, like this is this is this is not the last step of oracles like oracle is never really convinced of this and yeah she's not like she's not saying you're the boss you know she's just like trying to like reason out, and then ultimately she'll be like what am i doing absolutely not mm-hmm. so maybe with, with with that in hindsight I'm not really caring <laughs> about how it is here because I know where it leads. Okay, but I, I can I can understand you being like you know Barbara would be a lot more forceful just because of the stakes involved.
0: Yeah, but I mean I, I will agree with you. I mean I, I have a couple questions left for you, but I, I think it is well written. It's just like some things are harder for me, and and I think the art like you could take away the words and you just see the body language and the stress on both Batman and Barbara. I think Barbara perhaps shows more emotion than Batman does. Uh, I'm looking at a page right now where it's halves of their faces all aligned together. You see two of them, and I feel like it's really well done overall as an issue. It's just like I have trouble uh, reconciling some things.
2: So Yeah, yeah
4: it's, yeah. it's, it's our
0: What One of the other questions I have is is why is Batman so adamant? I, I say willfully naive, but I'll be nicer for you. Why is he so adamant that Cassandra could not have killed that man, that that video is, is fake?
4: That's always surprising, honestly. Like, like I, I, I tend to forget that going back to it, and I think that's. I don't know. I mean, I mean, to be critical of it, I don't know if Batman refusing to believe that Cass did that because she's a kid is. I don't. I don't think that he needs to be like that because, like, Albert I, I, I said, you know, like, you know, that girl has no idea what she was doing, yeah. and she and she did it. So it's not like she's. It's not like it was a. It was. It was like. A misappropriated term, it's thought like it was a consensual murder,
2: mm-hmm. you know? Yeah,
4: like she knew what she knew how to fight, but like her whole thing is like, you know, once she did what she did and she can sense how people are without verbal language, she was just disgusted, and, and that, that forms everything of who she is. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think Batman needs to tell him otherwise because it doesn't mean the same thing as like with one of the Robins kills somebody, or a or Barbara kills somebody, like it, it, it takes an entirely different context. I don't really love his kind of, like, it feels childish of him. It's like, la, 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 she didn't do anything. Like, I don't love that bit, because it doesn't seem like the character would be that re- refusing of it. And I don't remember how that's resolved exactly. Um, that, I'm not even sure if they kind of come back to that. After, after the Chima story, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they come back to that. But, yeah, I, w- I would agree that, like, that's something that, like, I'm surprised when I read it again, just because it doesn't seem, it goes beyond out of character. It just doesn't seem logical for the story to, to need that.
0: Yeah. I, I said that I think it makes perfect sense how she would buy in so much to his mission after killing somebody. Like, cause I think she realized right then, oh man, you know, life is so tragically beautiful and and it's so worthwhile and precious that I made this huge mistake and now I'm going to try to correct it. So I feel like. I'm good with Oracle there. Okay, well, I know you like questions that you may not have answers for. So this one, (laughs) this one is tough. I ask who knows Cass better and who has her best interests? And I will say, because I said, I think it depends on the story, but in this particular issue, do you have an answer for either of those? Who knows Cass better? Who has her best interests at heart?
4: I wouldn't really give an answer that's satisfactory.
2: <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> Okay, continue. I mean,
4: like, I, I would not be able to weigh Bruce over Barbara because
2: mm-hmm. I think, like, I, like I would, I
4: would never like want to replace Barbara out of this. You <gasps> I know,
2: because like, she has, she has the humor, she has the experience, yeah. she
4: has just the understanding. Like, you know, I, I know how Batman is, but at the same time, like, it's not just you know I like Batman talking so like to the movie. He again, he relates to her very well. Tim is afraid of her. Dick's just not really in the book, but you see Batman this, in this early era, this early run a lot, and you understand even when Cass doesn't understand herself, like 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 uh, there's that one issue where like they were training to oh there's something off about her and stuff. Mm. So I think that like they both are, that's what makes it good, right? It's not an obvious well obviously one of them is wrong, so we just had to put up with them arguing until <laughs> Cassandra realizes like that's 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 lazy. I, I like the fact that it's pretty. I find it pretty equal and evenly matched in terms of. What both members of the older members of the bat family have to offer for Cassandra's development,
0: yeah. Okay, well, at, since it's your birthday, what rating would you give this out of 10 bomb donuts? Is
2: that Number 23, yes, number 23. Oh, 10. Oh my gosh,
4: <laughs> I get your complaints, they're not egregious or like out of line. I understand that. But I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, like, I really, I mean, I think it's just, I don't think the comics are written this way anymore. And it's just, it's almost like a bottle issue, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, you know, Oracle's Clock Tower, and I think, in the Batman in the Batcave. Yep. It's only three characters, and two of them share most of the dialogue. Is it's a conversation issue about another character. I mean, how often do you have an issue about two characters talking about somebody else that's not a villain?
2: Yeah.
4: Uh, that's, that's a member of their team. You know, that's, that's a hero that we're following. I, Yeah, no, this is a 10 out of 10. And, and like, I'm not even saying that it's perfect. I'm not. But I don't
2: care.
0: It's a 10 out of 10. Okay. Uh, Well, before I let you go to enjoy your festivities, now, I did call you out in the beginning. Is it or is it not true that you said basically after the Shiva fight, you, I can do whatever I want with Cass. You have no connection with her. You're done with her. You won't be on this show anymore. Well, I didn't say that you can do whatever
4: you want with Cass. I mean, no one can. But, like, I did say that, like, uh, I mean, I still like this story. I like the run, especially once it rounds up to issue 50. But, this, you know, the rest of like the Puckett Scott run, I enjoy But, like, it's not as engrossing. Like, you know, there, there's, just, there's a couple of tie-ins for Bruce Wayne Murder of and, and there's, like, a Chuck Dixon four-parter with Robin and Green Arrow and Spoiler. That's, like, you know, by the numbers. It's not really all that interesting. And then the, um, the Grybark run, it's fine. You know, get the super war stuff in there, but it's, it's it's all right. And the Dylan Horrocks run is—I mean, I I do think that like they are lesser runs than the Puck and Scott run. Like once you get once you end the series with like, oh my god, Sheba was her mother. I knew it because they were Asian. Like it's it's all right, but it's not as good as it starts out. I think that like the Sheba story is sort of the culmination of like the very best of the series so... Okay. You really don't need to worry about,
2: mm-hmm. okay,
4: I better bring it on in here this month and this month. Like, like that's not really necessary. Um it's wow. good, but like, it's not, it's not, you know, worth, like, you, it's not worth the trouble to bring me on here to give every issue a 10 and give it like a 7.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> what, what, if what, I ask years you, years you'll say, you'll say no, you'll, you will now decline my invitations to be on my show. I, I'm
4: like, no, no, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> I'm just not going to bother you okay in saying you better have me on this issue
0: okay okay you asked what I would give this rating I have to know I think I would give it a, an 8.5 out of 10 bomb donuts
2: really do you feel pressure do you feel like under do you feel like
0: peer pressure? Well, I slightly. I had eight before, but then going through it and analysis and looking more closely at, at the art and everything, I think it deserves an eight point five. But I, I won't give it a ten. But those are personal grievances, as you know. I thought you.
4: I thought you, I thought you were going like, to like at least a five.
0: Oh like, you were, you no! Oh Two. no! <laughs> <laughs> I was like- Oh, great. You know what? Well, I said it. That garbage was the donut discussion. I'm reading I'm like, who the devil is this Barbara Gordon? That's when I was, like, really oh, upset. Donuts. Like, what's the donut thing? They're having donuts and talking about bomb dismantling for the first time.
4: Oh, oh! Where well, she says I wasn't I was in it for the thrill. Right, yeah. right, right. I was right. like, who are I you? Mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, okay, yeah. No, no, I'm not going to, you know, that's, that's a, your favorite character. I'm not going to tell you how to feel about that. I, I, oh, I, 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 I'll just reiterate, you know, if that's not Kelly Bucket's Brand new idea. But anyway, whatever. Um I
3: know even an A would have been fine. So eight point five I think is a perfectly healthy score. I'm so glad yeah, that you approved. Awesome story. Mm-hmm. And I just know that like when H twenty twenty five comes
4: around and it's like awesome in shining and shining listen, you're gonna be like, What was
0: that? I, just, I see it now. Oh no. Okay. Well, the people know that you're gonna be on next episode for Bat Jerk uh Murderer Fugitive.
4: probably <laughs> your favorite story because the, the point of the story is all about how he is a jerk <gasps> the bat family just like fight over how much of a jerk he
0: is. Vindication. Well, just in this particular episode in Gotham Knights twenty-two, Batman's looking for someone to go over somewhere, and Oracle says that he's alienated nearly all the members of his team, and I started laughing. Huh. Oh
4: yeah, oh yeah, no, it's 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 I think it's it's all it's very much about that, and it's the last good Batman story. So oh golly, like I think that like uh. It, uh, we'll have. I, th- I think you'll be referring back to it often from from here on out. After that,
0: okay, I can't wait. Well, thank you for taking some time out. Of your happy, uh, your birthday. Happy birthday again. <laughs> uh,
4: thank you for calling me. This, this is uh, my favorite present so far.
0: Oh no, it's not. You know what other present? What else did I get you? Uh,
4: what else did you get me?
0: Oh my gosh! Um, remind. Me. Oh my gosh! It's something on your body.
4: Oh, yes. Yeah, this thing's still trying to heal.
0: Oh, my uh, Stella, gosh.
4: Stella will be down by the mouth and, and stab my nose in, <laughs>
0: personally. No, not personally. We went to Nashville, Inc., wasn't it? And, um, yeah, yeah, he finally got his nose ring, and I, I, yeah, I bought it for him for his birthday. So, there you go. I can't believe you forget how terrible you are.
4: You're surprised with that. Well, I, I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I've been swapping it a lot with saline okay. every day. Golly. So, uh, I, I, I'm, very, I'm very much... Uh, it's, it's not hurting, so, like... Uh, That's good. I, think, I I think I have another... This is six to eight weeks, so I guess it's, like... Oh, okay. Five more weeks until I can, like, replace it with something else.
0: Oh, gotcha. Okay, cool,
4: cool. Okay, it's your it's your turn next.
0: Sure. Well, it'll be an eyebrow for me, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, 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 are, you,
4: are you on... Are you uh, video
0: recording? I am, so you've been on this entire time. Oh, my God. So you God. can see... Yeah, thank you, Janice. So you can see my, I guess reactions when if you watch it on the tube
4: i can't (laughs) hopefully my voice comes through better than last time i I, I need to get another
0: new mic i hope so well i mean you're on the phone so hopefully on my end that it it works out so i guess we'll see
4: i guess we will
0: okay well have a good night thanks again for talking me through some of these issues thank you for being so understanding you're welcome okay bye donovan bye
4: love
0: you love you Oh man, and all the shippers went wild. So there you go. And just to reiterate, yeah, giving it an 8.5 out of 10 bomb donuts. So I'll stop sharing. And yeah, I like how the the wiki wiki uh writer said that. Oh, she assures her she'll talk, about. I'm like, nah, no, 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 I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> it's like a a legitimate teenager saying, of course, I'll tell you if I ever go to a party that has drinking and, and alcohol in it and things like that. OK, well, there are no listener emails. I did get some feedback, both verbal and via Facebook message on my thoughts about having the, the rape slash sexual assault episode i've already said what's going to happen there but that's basically it so i'm going to take a break and when i come back i'll be looking at golly okay batman 106 or 107 nightwing 7879 urban legends number two and i think it's batman urban legends number two and joker number two really i'll be focusing on joker number two and then urban legends i think will be I'll, I'll talk about it a bit. So, okay. Well, I, oh, 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 man. First, we've got Zaias' Radio Hour featuring The Fighter by Gym Class Heroes featuring Ryan Tedder. See you guys soon.
3: in the morning in the be well quite honest with you I ain't really sleep well Will you ever feel like your train of thought's been derailed that's when you press on lean in half the population just waiting to see me fail yeah right you better off trying to freeze hell <laughs> some of us do it for the females and others do it for the reeds. what I do it for the kids like through the towel in on every time you fall it's only making your chin strong and I'll be in your corner like Big baby till the end of when you hear the song from that big lady until the referee it rings the bell Until both your eyes start to swell Until the crowd goes home What we gonna do You should ever have your head down Six foot five, 220 pounds Hailing for rock bottom, loserville, nothing town Textbook version of a kid going nowhere fast And now I'm yelling, kiss my, it's gonna take a couple right hooks A few left jabs For you to recognize you really ain't got it back Until the referee rings the bell Until both your eyes start to swell Until the crowd goes home
0: Welcome back. So I wanted to tell you about my Nashville trip. So I just wanted to go down and, and visit Don. It had been, I guess, close to a year. He was supposed to be my date for a wedding. And then, of course, COVID sort of changed the the standards there and the wedding was moved. And I thought, well, you should just come up and, and we can hang out in June. And so I thought, oh, I should take a spring break. How about I go down there and drive? So that was a lot of fun. I think my top moment certainly was going to the National Museum of African-American Music, which was lovely. And the jazz section was certainly my favorite. And yeah, hanging out, reading outside, uh, went to the gym to pump iron, went on walks, just hanging out. We yeah, are watching some films. We watched Portrait of the Lady on Fire. Finally, I made him watch that. We watched Promising Young Woman, which is my second time and his first time. And <laughs> brink on disney we played crash bandicoot we were trying to get some relics so yeah it was, it was just a lot of fun i his parents were nice enough to allow me to stay in their house and i let me tell you about a story about heroic artichokes that artichokes saved the grant house so we went to donovan And me and Mr. and Mrs. Grant went to a fancy restaurant and one of the appetizers was artichoke hearts, I think grilled California artichokes. No, they were grilled California artichokes. So they come out, there are three halves, and they're huge. They're like size of a hand. I was only able to eat one, eat one, and then I had two left over. And Donovan drove us back, and I must have, I did. I left the remaining artichokes, which I took home in his car. And so I'm getting ready, go to sleep. And I thought, oh no, the artichokes. So I'm looking for them, thought maybe I brought them in and put them in the kitchen, didn't. And then, so I go down, must've left them in his car and there's some water coming in through the ceiling of the garage. I'm like, Oh, this is a problem. So I go upstairs. I'm like, Donovan, um, there's some flooding or, you know, going through. And so he goes to, to check it out. I was like, like, Oh, and on the way up, there's a door that goes outside and then goes into the, the kitchen. So we're in the kitchen area. I notice there's water coming in through the door, and this water is up about 18 inches from the bottom of the door and it's coming in. So it's like one of those scenes from Titanic, you know, where the water's building. And so we end up, sandbagging it but with towels and just putting towels against the the bottom of the door and at first when we did this there's this creaky noise and it's the creek that you know right before the water rushes in but luckily it didn't and after we did that I don't know what happened maybe just that pressure cleared out from the grate because because I think that there was some detritus that was blocking the water from entering the grate but then it started to go down but I was just thinking if I hadn't gone down to get those artichokes the Grant House could have been swept away in a flood. So it was huge flooding in Nashville. It's crazy. And then the next morning I wake up and there's sun. So it was a complete change. Saturday was just all of this abysmal rain and, and flooding. And then Sunday, it's like, oh, look at this, how beautiful it is. So heroic artichokes. Okay. So let's do some quickies. And then unfortunately I'm kind of fatigued, but I hope that my energy will Hold out while I talk about Urban Legends and Joker number two. So modern quickies, uh, uh, oddly, I'm caught up with Batman and Nightwing. So it's like now I suppose each Batgirl Oracle episode will have the issues of that month, which is... Unheard of. So here we go: Batman One Hundred Six, The Cowardly Lot Part One. Writer James Tynion IV, artists George Jimenez and colorist Tomu Mori. Following the tragic events of Infinite Frontier Number One, Batman and his new ally Ghostmaker must reckon with a new gang operating in Gotham City. But are they connected to the reemergence, re-emergence of the Scarecrow? Meanwhile, shadowy billionaire Simon Saint pitches an advanced law enforcement system to the new mayor. The creative team behind the epic Joker War continues to thrill pack. Blah blah blah, and then the backup Story's demon or detective begins as damon wayne is on the run i have blah 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 there as well okay and just to note that oracle aids batman as he chases after the latest heist of the unsanity collective and questions the speed of his car and its modifications so even though she's present not really doing anything significant batman 107 the cowardly Law part two same creative team. Tensions are sky high in Gotham City following the events at Arkham Asylum and public opinion and unrest are starting to boil over. By the way, both of these are publisher synopses from DC Comics. The Dark Knight has his hands full, juggling the investigation of the reappearance of an old enemy and the rise of a new gang in Gotham called the Unsanity Collective. Gotham is getting more dangerous by the minute. And then there's Tales of the Ghostmaker or Legend of the Ghostmaker. So Babs is designing a new bat signal to communicate with Bat Jerk when he turns off his radio. Not going to talk to anyone. And we'll have Cass and Steph plant 12 single-use signals on rooftops, which seems weird. Wasteful. She discusses the A-Day attacks with Jerk and who may be behind them. Uh, she's also investigating the Unsanity Collective and tells Jerk what she knows of them. Okay, and that's Batman. So then we have Nightwing. So a bit more significant. I feel like we were teased a bit that we were going to see her play a big part. And I mean, maybe it'll it'll come up more. I don't know. Okay, so we've got Nightwing, 78, Leaping Into the Light, Part 1, writer Tom Taylor, artist Bruno Redondo, colorist Adriano Lucas. Nightwing is back, and his drive to keep Bloodhaven safe has never been stronger, but his adopted city has elected a new mayor with the last name Zuko. When Nightwing and Wisp backer's help in, which... Is she back or Oracle? She's between names. Help in investigating the politician bearing the same name as the man who murdered his parents. She unearths details that will shock and fundamentally change the hero. So... There's a bit of a change with their relationship history or just their history period that now Babs and Dick have first met in Gotham Heights as kids when they both went to deal with bullies separately and then ran into each other. And then later, Barbara fangirls over the Wayne mansion when her father drives Dick home. Let's see I can see it. Oh, yeah. So here we are. There's a young Babs, young Dick. And then her later on, her father shows up, of course, and there's some fangirling here. Will you live in a castle? So, new history for them of when they met, which is always interesting when they change things willy nilly. In the present, uh, Dick actually comes home after patrol and senses someone in his apartment. Oh, yeah, this is pretty funny. Uh, It's Barbara. She's wearing what she was actually wearing in Batman, may I add, which talk about continuity. Well done, finally, DC Comics slash editors. I don't know if it's the same editors, but I, I do love her glorious Steinem glasses. Did they show? Yeah, Gloria Steinem right there. It changed slightly in the urban legends, but I, I do like these. I think they're they're funky, fresh. And she lays him out as she should. But I do like her outfit here, which I'll talk about. Outfits will pop up big time. We'll get that. Bam. So as Oracle. Oh, yeah, this was weird. Oh, I forgot about this. Look, because, well, oh, also this little love thing where she sees the dog and she's super excited about this particular dog. As Oracle, I was chosen to be the executor of Alfred Pennyworth's will. Isn't that weird? Is that just me? That's really weird. Why is it not? I was chosen, dot, dot, dot. Why is it specifically because she was Oracle? She'd be able to relegate everything properly or negotiate everything. It's strange. I wonder what the semantics there or why that particular choice there if we were to parse it. But she's there to bring Dick up to speed since he missed the reading. I think he was Rick at that point. And then she also tells Dick that he needs to keep that dog okay and then they sit as together as uh, he reads so at least a nice little moment there okay that was 78 79 let's pull this up there's more that i want to talk about here i was considering this like oh man you know she is more significant in 79 is it bad that i'm not doing a review but i was thinking to myself should i review nightwing and i'm like no it's not a nightwing cast so I'll talk about it and, and give you some commentary on it, but I feel like I don't need to do that. I will say with this cover here, and I do like the effects that this cover has. I really actually like this cover, but it's misleading. There's no back here. What's happening? This doesn't happen. They're not reaching for each other. Misleading. Okay. I think the creative team is the same. Yeah. Okay. Same credits. So this is into the light or leaping into the light part. Two, so Dick Grayson has inherited Alfred's fortune, a puppy, and a whole lot of questions. Who is Mayor Zuko? What is her relation to the man who murdered Dick's parents? What sinister plans is Blockbuster after Bluehaven? What kind of dog food is best for a three-wicked puppy? To answer these questions, Dick is going to need a little help from his friends, past and present. I really, let me actually step back and say I'm really enjoying the Nightwing run. It's only been two issues but I feel like Tom Taylor has a good handle on who this character is. I do like that Babs is present but doesn't need to be heavy-handedly present and just exploring what that relationship of platonic or not actually looks like. But I look I like how in this beginning going through that history there and then also saying we all need someone to catch us when we fall, someone who makes us feel safe. And then we transition to Barbara and and just showing I think that's the significance of that particular relationship and um him questioning number one that he, he's got this wealth, what can he do with it to help people out? And I think that's gonna be certainly one of the storylines going through this, and then also just you know who was he before? What sort of thing as Rick? What sort of things has he left behind as Rick that he could have carried over? What sort of things did he leave as Dick before he was Rick? So lots of conflicting things that I like that he's sitting there and talking to to Bab. So that that whole scene I think is really nice. And then this, so uh, I have page eight, but with the once he offers pizza for. I suppose, people without homes, there is a man in this image. Apparently, Mark Wolfman and and George Perez are in here as well. But I went right towards this man. If you look, there's kind of a Steph Brown-looking person. But on the right-hand side of this top one, there's this black man with, I don't know, denim on and a a button-up shirt and a cool hairdo and some some sideburns. And I looked at that and I thought that right there is Donovan Morgan Grant. And not just like the old, all black people look alike, which, you know, unfortunately racist people say, but like I'm looking at that and I'm like, that is my former beloved. And so I screen capture this and I circled this man <laughs> and I sent it to Donovan. And I said, Donovan, you're in this book. He's like, oh my gosh, it does look like me. So it's not just me, but I thought that that was hilarious. There are a big, Moment here is now finding out that the Bat family has a group chat, which I find really amusing. So Dick's wallet is stolen at one point and Oh, I forgot about this. And she says, I'm going to put it in the group chat. And then later on says something like, oh, you lost him. I'm going to put that in the group chat. Just thinking about that. Oh, and something funny is, is like Cass has a lack of self-control. Yeah, has no self-control. Cass has no self-control when it comes to emojis of all the people. Because that's definitely probably me. But just to think of all the people in the Bat family, Cass would be least likely, in my opinion, be Steph. <gasps> Here we go. Page 12, Beefcake. Nose bleeding on me. Uh, what's it called? Fan service. Love it when he just rips off his shirt. And she's saying, yeah, she's the handler, right? I. Uh, she gives him a new mask. She can see what he sees. So nice little partnership going on. So then I guess I would just say, she's with with the dog and everything, that whatever this relationship is, even if it's just a friendship, even if it's just two heroes working together, Donovan was telling me about, I guess it was Titans Academy. I don't know what number, but he was saying something about Dick sleeps with Corey and says like he's run off or run to someplace and it's because of Barbara. And I'm like, that does not jive with this. And I when I read this, I I Texted him and and said that he said, "Oh yeah, the editor, I guess, is getting a lot of flack from people that that doesn't work out. So, continuity issues, editors not catching things, which of course I complain about previously. And hopefully, yeah, that'll be washed away or at least, yeah. So I really like this. There's the other one, right? (laughs) You got overpowered. Need to update the the group chat. I really like what Tom Taylor is doing right now and. Of the four issues I just did with Batman and Nightwing, I also want to say that I believe the art. I don't even need to say I believe. Well, I guess I could. In my opinion, the art is really stunning and beautiful. So just another reason potentially to do that. So I suggest picking it up, giving your money over there. Okay. Uh, I guess I'll do Batman Urban Legends 2 first and have the main event be Joker number two. So Urban Legends, because this, I guess, will be a warm-up for my rage and I'm not going to spend as much time on it. And I'm only going to talk about one story and guys, this is what I was talking about. I, I need a break from Castellucci and I just can't emotionally invest myself in fully reviewing a story. So it, it just wasn't worthwhile to me. Barbara's in it, so I feel like I'm failing, but I just need a break from Castellucci. And so I'll just talk about a significant thing. So it is Oracle in Ghosts in the Machine, Cecil Castellucci's story, and then Art in Colors by Marguerite Sauvage. And so this pair should remind you of the Vyros story that popped up in, I don't know, the Backgirl Joker War or whatever that thing was with the multiple stories. The art is beautiful, but unfortunately, for whatever reason, Casalucci and I guess DC comics thought that it would be great to have virus come back again. So the synopsis from the publishers: Barbara Gordon has identified a citywide system hack from a foe. She faced before as Batgirl, but this time around Babs may have found a way to defeat her for good as Oracle. <sighs> so yeah, the COVID Avengers back. Here we go. She's kind of fighting her digitally. And then later on she'll, go up against her in person. There's some talk of, what are those called? Floppy disks, which I thought was really interesting. And the whole thing is really uninspired, in my opinion. I think the only point of this whole story is this outfit. And that's really all I want to talk about. <sighs> okay. Now, besides the overall page being really attractive and beautiful and the art, I mean, way to go, Marguerite. I don't get this. And the first I was made aware of this was via CBR comic book resources. And they said like Oracle has a new outfit and it's perfect. And I look up at this and I'm like, I'm sorry. What, what, what Hubble, what, what is that? What?" What? So she has smart glasses, which they're a bit different. They're almost like Ingrid Michaelson style rather than Gloria Steinem style, which I'm disappointed about. She's got an earbud for communications, hidden pin, button, microphone, holographic sleeve, smartphone, elegant stealth backroll utility belt, cables, some batteries, etc okay, so first if we go back a page, we see that she's actually sewing and stitching this and I'm a now I'm just lazy so i'm not going to show but i actually went back to detective 359 i went to back row year one and it was looking at oh man what did this look like and so you know it's interesting like those two things she comes up with this outfit that's pretty amazing and then with this one she's like yeah i've got this green sweatsuit that our track suit i don't even know what you would call this it's really interesting. My main criticism was actually looking at how off the shoulder it is and the cleavage and all that. And I thought, you know what? When she puts her arm down off of her hip, her tatas are going to fall out later on. It I will say that at least they're kind of up on her shoulders a bit more. So it seems like they're stable, but this for me, it's uninspired. The Oracle green color. Okay, sure. And really the only thing if you took away, I think that the image alone has to prove itself. The only way that this works, if it works at all, is because of all the bubbles that are telling me what it's about. Otherwise, it's just a fashion. It could have been a little paper doll I could cut out and play with. So honestly, I feel like it's uninspired, unoriginal. And I'm also really confused why if this is an Oracle outfit and she's going out as Oracle, fighting crime as Oracle, later on, look, she's got her hood up why on earth you're like flaunting it you're out in the open if you're going to be oracle i think maybe you should be a bit more incognito so that's a bit strange to me like especially since she seems really revealed she just has her hood up as if that's going to protect her from anything stephanie brown at least we'll get this the, the juxtaposition of of barbara and i can see her whole face versus stephanie brown who at least has a mask on her so i i don't like it I, I could find someone that looks like this heading out to to go to Ross. What is it? Uh, some sort of clothing store. So nice try. I don't know. There, there had to have been something else or at least show off something without the word bubbles that proves, hey, this is Oracle. This is why this particular design matters. And does that mean she's always going to be wearing this when she's at home in the computer like that doesn't make sense for the other issues that i saw she was wearing normal clothing which is what barbara does she just wears normal clothing when she's in front of the computer and if this is her out and about guys again why was she getting coffee or doing what playing chess i guess she was looking at she was doing more than chess but she's completely it's like batman going out without his cowl walking around gotham and then all of a sudden it's time to go after the bad guy and he's he puts on his cowl as if that saves anything. So. I don't like it, and I guess that's all I have to say about it. Okay, so here we go. This is the main event, people. This is what you were waiting for. I don't know if you were waiting for this. Ooh, let's see if I have any energy back in the tank or energy in the tank. So we are going to do the Joker number two. Where are you? There you are. And the creative team is James the Fourth. Guillaume March is the artist. Colorist is a reef frianto. So let me say what the synopsis is. As the dust settles on Arkham Asylum and tragic reefs and events, the Joker is the most wanted man in the world, and powerful forces are lining up around the globe to hunt him. But where exactly is the clown prince of crime? Jim Gordon, facing his twilight years, haunted by the madman, knows where to start the hunt, and he's been given the go-ahead to pursue him but will he be willing to pay the price and what shocking revelation will gordon stun batman with before he departs well i'll tell you what the revelation is but i think we should go through some trauma first and i will as i'm getting to the trauma i do want to say that i think i skimmed joker one in particular to to prepare for joker two and I don't really understand why they don't call it Jim Gordon but or James Gordon. But perhaps it's maybe they thought he wouldn't be able to sell. Okay, so let us go through some trauma. Let us traumatize each other once more. Maybe one final time. I don't know. So this is from Gil Simone's Batgirl Girl number 19. So... Backgirl throws a battering. There's electrocution. Looks like it sticks in James' eyeball. She tried to spare him, blah, blah, blah. God help me. The rain, the concussion. I tried. Okay. Next. That was just that page. I want to give you some context, just some context. Okay. So. It says get your hands off of her. Barbara's hand but Batgirl's hands are around Barbara Sr. You're under arrest for murder of my son. Hands on the back of your head, Batgirl. I'm warning you. Batgirl says, I thought I was in hell already, but this is how much further I've fallen. Hmm. Tonight I became an only child and I may have made myself an orphan as well. Okay, so that was Batgirl 19. We're not done with the trauma yet, friends. We are not done. Let's go to Batgirl number 49. There it is. I once had a brother who was complicated and messy. I hated him so much I wanted him to die, and now he's gone. He's really gone. (gasps) Jim Gordon says, I blame you for this, Batgirl. Don't move. Batgirl, I'm placing you under arrest for manslaughter. Batgirl says, how could I ever explain to him what happened? Where do I even begin? I can't. It's over. Mm -mm -mm. Okay. One last one, Franz. One... Last one. This is Batgirl 50. Um, there are heroes who still care like Batgirl. She's a piece of work. The city needs a complete overhaul ever since the Joker took over the town. Everywhere is run down. Bad elements like Batgirl need to be lanced. More police in the streets to combat the mayhem. Batgirl says, or Barbara says, a scorched earth policy isn't going to be helpful. Hate, blank, can't believe, blank, the worst, blank, Batgirl some expletive, the scum of blank, blank, and then Barbara gets upset and says, Dad, shut up. Oh, Babs, are you okay? You have no idea the lengths that I have gone to protect you. Oh, pushing papers for a Congresswoman. Mm-mm-mm. I work so hard to do what I do, and when you put down my efforts with hateful misconceptions about Gotham or Citizens or even Batgirl, it hurts me. Mm, 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 mm. James was ill. He struggled and he lost. Meanwhile, Gotham is fighting like hell for it uh, for itself. Recognize that I got to go. I don't want to say anything else. Either of us will regret. Okay. so the trauma portion is over, but we needed to give context for what's about to happen. So now the main event, of course, is Joker, the Joker number two, a.k.a. James Gordon. Number two. Okay, uh, James is considering going to hunt down the Joker. Little do people know that he is uh, test to kill him, and he's considering it. And I'm going to give you a chaperone. or are you listening? And she says, yeah. And guess what? My father parsed your words, and you didn't listen to him. Then here we go. Shock of all shocks. This is the revelation. Jim says nonchalantly while drinking some cocoa, probably. Who knows? Are you sure you're not just worried about your old man, <gasps> Barbara? So now he has revealed, he has revealed. And Anne. Internal monologue. Jim says, I can't help but smile. I can hear the gears turning in Batman's mind, trying to guess how long I've known. In another minute, he'll be asking himself what else I've put together. But there's no distracting Barbara. And the Oracle mask says, Dad, I want you to come see me at the clock tower now. And then shuts off immediately. So that's the big deal, Leo. And then when they meet up, this is the other big thing here. <sighs> I suggest reading it. I feel like we could, you know, there's some hot chocolate. I'll bring that up if I remember. He says, I know my daughter. It doesn't matter what costume she's wearing or how she's digitally altering her voice. And I know you are back girl or you were back girl and that you were Oracle. And I guess you are Oracle and she's figuring things out. And he says that's fair. She talks about the implant and that she may be benched to a certain extent. And she said she's lived with it for a long time. And, hey, you can talk to me, girlfriend and daughter. And she said, right now, you're not allowed to guilt trip me for not telling you something. And he says, you know, let's victim let's what's it called <gasps> oppression olympics kind of i'm pretty sure a secret crime fighting identity trumps pretending not to know about a secret crime fighting thing and then she says that's not what i'm talking about a few months ago you told me that you were going to hold backroll accountable for what happened to james okay He says, that wasn't fair of me. I'm sorry. I was angry at myself more than anything. Angry that I hadn't done more, that I wasn't more open to my son getting better. I was lashing out because if I hadn't pushed him away, Joker wouldn't have been able to play him like he did. And she says, you're not responsible. And he feels responsible and they talk about the clown and he does reveal about the killing and considering it, he, sa- he uses Litotes and says, I'm not not considering it. And he does end up saying that, hey, you know, I'm doing this for you. If I don't, you'll always have a target on your back. So those are, the, I think, the main points that I want to talk about. Where to begin? Where to begin? Okay. So... Tinyan, they're saying that he is retconning people say specifically 50, but I feel like it's 49 and 50. And I also feel like it's 19 from Gil Simone's run. I think Tinyan is doing this because and again, editors, where were you? It was terrible. I mean, how he's speaking to her, how he's speaking. Golly, it seems even worse. How he's speaking to her, and I guess trying to work through that. I'm I'm still having trouble with it. Let me let me start with something that's more manageable for me to talk about. I'm so glad that James Gordon is not an idiot. So that's I think the the first thing to to talk about. How many times, how many guests have I had that we've talked about? How can you not tell that that's your daughter, especially as throughout the ages, throughout the runs, her mass has become less and less and you see more and more of her face, like clearly there's something going on. And yes, it could be that whole being willfully ignorant situation, which I think he brings up in no man's land that he knows probably deep down, but also just doesn't want to think about it. So he probably knew for a long time. I think the question is when specifically, I don't know if we're going to get a specific date of like when this happened, maybe the first time that he ran up against her i almost like to think like oh maybe it was when he was batman the super heavy and they they fought against live Wire, i think it was but it, it seems like it's earlier like he knew that she was batgirl before so does that five-year timeline even exist anymore with the new 52 so he knew before and then the injury and then coming back to back he's known all of that so i don't know if we can necessarily pinpoint When he knows, but now we know that he knows. And I'm I'm hoping that it sticks. I'm afraid that this is going to be true for a couple years, maybe, and then afterwards something will happen, some another retcon, and and then he will have forgotten. The problem with him knowing to this degree, besides the obvious of, of what happened in 19 and 49 and 50, is that she went through a lot of trauma, obviously. And depending on how much is in continuity crises of of faith and dubiousness in her abilities and to have a father that knows your secret and to not have compassion or reach out to you on that level of i know i know your background i know that your injury is deeper than just the injury itself there's so much more i think that that was I have a problem with it. I, I think that that's, I was going to say bad parenthood, but I also understand on the on the flip side that she never she never revealed that whole thing. So there's that trust issue, and maybe he just didn't want to. You know, he felt hurt that she didn't have faith in him or trust in him to to talk about it. But I just feel like, man, that wouldn't that be the time? The Killing Joke, wouldn't that be the time to be like, oh, Barbara, I know what this means. I know that. I don't know your career as a crime fighter is over, but maybe it's not over. And that you're almost pushing her towards Oracle. I, I think that there's a missed opportunity there, and I think that that is an unfortunate byproduct of this. That it, f- for me, portrays Jim in-, in a in a poor light. At least looking there. And then we have the the accusations, jacques, and the terrible I'm, uh, ad hominem attacks on Batgirl and saying, "Oh man, it was in the." in the heat of the moment i was just really upset man alive maybe maybe i can go with you there but just thinking about like you number one there's no slip there's no psycho or freudian slip of you instead of backer or whatever like when you're that hot i mean if i get that hot and that angry i'm going to make mistakes in my speech and i feel like that would have happened there but just He's belittling and attacking Batgirl right in front of the person he knows to be Batgirl seems beyond belief, beyond belief. And I guess, so that's like, nice try, Tanyan. I ooh, I don't think it doesn't really work for me. I think Tanyan, maybe others realized how terrible 49 and 50 were, and he had to kind of dial it back and, and pull it back in or rein it back in. But it's such, I think it was just such a mess that he did the best he could, but it's not good. I think it's it's one of those like, oh, should you have left it the way it was or you try to to, to bring it back? But it almost makes him seem worse. Like you are attacking your own daughter right now, but pretending that it's back row. That's insane to me. That's almost like how you were able to disconnect your mind in order to do that. And then the the reasonings of of him going after Joker that well, Barbara, you know, you'll always have a target on your back. At least I can get rid of him. And what I said on the Batman Universe comic pos- podcast is Barbara Gordon can take care of her own damn self. You need to this is you. This is you. So you need to own that, that this is a selfish thing on you and, and not for Barbara. The hot chocolate is a bit weird just because I feel like that's a bit of an odd to the killing joke because that was a randomly a plot point just with like or a detail, I guess, for for the hot cocoa. But phew, I think the shock is he knows he's known and he will know. But it's it's everything that follows like explanations, which I'm glad he doesn't ignore Tanyan. I'm glad Tanyan doesn't ignore like, oh, well, why'd you say these things? And they bring up good points about trust and everything. And 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 I hope that maybe in a future plot point we work on that trust and, and everything. But I think if you now have this detail in your mind, it just brings into question Jim as a father and his role and and what was he doing during these traumatic moments and and her recovery. And then also just how are you able to separate yourself so much? really go after your daughter like this twice in terms of arresting. And then of course the, the diner situation. So really interesting. I I think it was Steph on the comic podcast. It said something like, you know, Batgirl 50 and 49 was a turd and, it's, it's still like, even if you shine it or make it pretty, it's still a turd. So that's, I guess what happened there. So it's just unfortunate that 50 49 and even 19 exist. And, and we unfortunately had to, had to deal with that. So we'll see what happens. I I think there was a suspicion Ian prime. Yeah. I have to unfriend Ian prime because of this, that Jim will die, which is a kind of a Spider-Man symptom, right? That, Once someone finds out about Spider-Man, inevitably that person will die or finds out about Spider-Man's secret identity, to be more specific. And so that is, I never thought about that. And I think that that would be terrible, terrible for many reasons. I think this could develop nicely. I think we could really have a stronger more intimate relationship between father and daughter than we've had for a long time specifically new 52 and i i why why barbara is distinct from the bat family and being one of the few if not one of the only people who started being a hero not because of trauma but because of celebration celebrating her father and so to take that away and then put her in with everybody else again i, I think is uninspired So mixed feelings, mixed feelings, but honestly, I I feel like this retcon, if that's what people are calling it, is Tanyan did the best he could, he took a shot, I feel like it didn't pan out, and the explanation is like he tries the best he can to explain this terrible thing, but the thing is so terrible that it's hard to explain away, and I feel like also that it portrays Jim poorly. So I think look, I was more sensical. I didn't yell. If you want my emotional take on it, you should check out that Batman Universe Comic Podcast. I think, golly, that's it. I'm not gonna rate it. I don't think it's worth my rating because the rest of the story I didn't really look at. So there you go. Oh, I didn't do any reviews on this one, but I did give some commentary, so it's all good. Okay, next up is anime watch list and I hesitate calling this an anime because it is Korean American, though the style, I don't know. We could say it's an animation. So Dota Dragon's Blood, which is on Netflix and it's book one and there are eight episodes in book one and they're about 30 minutes, 26 to 28. Set in a fantasy world, the story follows Dragonite Davian, who hunts dragons to make the world a safer place. In a battle between demon and dragons, an elder dragon merges the soul of Davion along with the moon princess Marana. Davian pursues a journey to stop the demon Terrorblade who wants to kill dragons and collect their souls. It is violent and there's some language, but But I was shipping these two people right away. And I am glad. I'm happy to say that the shipping paid off. But no, I I really enjoyed this. I gave, it's like skyscraper of terror or something, something. I can't even remember what it was called about this weird, weird world where this schoolgirl wakes up and people are trying to kill her on these roofs on skyscrapers. And I think I got five minutes through the first one. There was like sexual assault. And I'm like, nah. Nah, I mean, it was also violent. I'm just like, I'm not in for it. And then I tried this one. I thought, oh, this is really interesting. I like it. So I'm looking forward to more books, as they say. Okay, what are you wearing? I have given my two weeks notice of my current job because I'm going to have another job. And the current job was just a temp. So it's going to end anyways. But I decided I've got two weeks left. I'm going to wear what I want. So on Monday, I wore an Iron Fist shirt. Wait a minute. No, I think Monday I wore regulation. Tuesday I wore an iron fist shirt, and today I wore the Fat Man, aka Wilson Fisk, and I pretended to be him because I wore purple pants and this white blazer. So, the Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin. Ah, so there you go. And I don't know, I haven't decided what I'm going to wear tomorrow yet. I've got so many back row shirts that I could probably wear those for the rest of the the two weeks okay and my final segment is literature recommendation okay so white privilege was the last one from the previous episode i read all five volumes of the superior spider-man i'm trying to get caught up donovan speaks really highly of the current spider-man run so i thought maybe i'll get back into spider-man it's been so long since i've read him and I feel I feel an absence. So maybe I'll give them a shot. So I was reading that to kind of get caught up, but now I think I might just jump on to the current stuff. So I read all five of those, which are pretty good. I read Empathy for the Devil by J.R. Forasteros, which is oh, finding ourselves in the villains of the Bible, which is really interesting. Just like, hey, we all we have, you know, the sin that that Cain had and Herodias and Herod and Judas and even the devil, you know, like we should be able to not only see ourselves or hope to be the, the heroes, but also, you know, the, the fallen people as well. Cause even the heroes have their issues. So in Herod's chapter, he gives background to sort of the political climate as well as becoming a province of Rome. And he talks about Pompey, the great, but instead of putting Pompey, he puts Pompeii multiple times, the city, the the, the location Pompeii rather than Pompey. And so I ended up emailing him and I said, Sir, for future printings, please know. And he wrote back, and I tried to be not a troll. So I had positive things and then had this sandwich in between the positive things. And he wrote back and, and said, Thank you. I appreciate that. And asked me which person or entity uh was my favorite. Um, we've got oh, the final novel of my 10 and a half year journey of the Rory Gilmore's reading list. It's over. I read it. It's novels, which was actually five and one. Novels from 1930 to 1942, Dance Night, Come Back to Sorrento, Turn Magic Wheel, and Angels on Toast, A Time to Be Born, all by Dom Powell. Not what I would have chosen to be my last one, but whew, last interlibrary loan that I'll have for a while. I'm so, I'm happy. Then I read Two Place, The Sound Inside by Adam Rapp, which I recommend, and Betrayal by Harold Pinter, which I also recommend. I reread The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime by Mark Haddon, which I gave two thumbs up. And you can listen to that episode of Required Reading in May. We Were Eight Years in Power, An American Tragedy by Todd Nahisi Coates. Now you may know that, and I, I would recommend this. Now you may know that I'm not the greatest fan of his, and I didn't really care for Between the World and Me, but I better understood Coates as well as the context of Between the World and Me. So maybe I'll try that again now that I know a bit more. The Goldfinch by Donna Tart. I have complicated feelings on it. I know that it's highly lauded. There were drugs, so many drugs, and it's really long. It took, that was actually an audio book that I listened to on the way to Nashville and back and also for a couple weeks with work during my lunch. The Color of Law A Forgotten History of How Our Government Segregated America by Richard Rothstein, which I highly recommend. Yeah, looking at what is it blockbusting and redlining and white flight and the Great Migration and how ghettos became ghettos. And yeah, it was really interesting. And then what I'm currently reading right now, which I should finish if not today, then tomorrow, is Redefining Realness, My Path to Womanhood, Identity, Love, and So Much More by Janet Mock, which is a memoir. And Janet Mock is a trans woman. So that was, I was really interested in that because I feel like that's a voice that is not heard often. So I was really intrigued. And some of it's really heavy, heavy stuff, especially pertaining to sexual assault and survival sex work. So I think if that's something that's going to be triggering for you, then I don't recommend it. But I I have been enjoying it and just um, hearing her voice and learning more about the trials and tribulations of of trans women and trans women of color in particular. Okie dokie. Well, remember, you can send any questions or comments to backgirltheoracle at gmail.com. You can also find the show on Google Play and Stitcher. Like the show on Facebook or follow it on Twitter at Batgirl The Oracle. Subscribe to the show on YouTube for an uncut version, which you're about to see. Probably really long. Follow The Batman Universe on Facebook and Twitter as well. And support The Batman Universe by subscribing to Patreon. Once again, thanks to My High Comics for sponsoring Batgirl The Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Thank you to my former beloved Donovan Morgan Grant and happy birthday. One final time, and thanks for popping on. And next time, you'll see him as well as hear him as we look at Bruce Jerk, Murderer Fugitive. Thanks for sticking with me. I think there were some technical difficulties, rambling. I had to think about things. But actually, I'm, you know what? I'm okay with this episode because sometimes I feel like, oh, man, I failed you. I feel like, you know what? I think I did okay. So I think I'll take a break now because, boy, I'm worn out at all all the talking I had to do. Thank you, guys. I always appreciate you, even though I I may not thank you all the time, but I really do. Until next time, though, fly on, Babs lovers.
1: Just plain Barbara Gordon masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare-doll.
2: Ah, I love a happy ending, don't you?